You're listening to The Midday Grind with Martin Kilcoin and Charlie Marlowe on 590 The Fan and 590thefan.com. Uh, shame on me and uh, Brian Hoffman for not pointing it out. The baseball show, 590 Baseball, also live today. Kingside Diner going until 2 o'clock. So a four-hour window here at Kingside Diner. And speaking of windows, beautiful view of Shaw Park right on Brentwood Boulevard. <clears throat> the pool. Yeah, the famous pool there. I think over the years, Clayton on the park, Rick Ankeel, Marshall Falk, a number of blues players have all lived in this building. That's where Kingside Diner is located. Brentwood and Bonham is the intersection, and the uh, menu is outstanding. I don't think there's an item on the menu that hasn't been brought out. And our green room is active today. My mom is pre-screening all of our guests. She is, the pre-interview. Jimmy Hewer, Brian Hoffman loading up on food and hot takes for the baseball show. But right now, joining Martin and Charlie on site, Andy McCollum, 15-year veteran in the NFL, Super Bowl champion with the Rams, Super Bowl 34. We had your buddy, your old teammate, Ricky Prohl on the show earlier and he said anytime he talks to former teammates they'll say hey what's up champ or they always reminisce i mean once you're part of that club that fraternity true you're you're never out of it are you when you did something like that to win a super bowl you think of dan marino so many guys who played never got that had the chance but didn't get it done how cool is that when this weekend rolls around every year yeah it's pretty cool i know i know i talked to some uh, some folks i work with there they said they went to that game right and they thought yeah, we'll go this game, but you know they'll probably just be back next year, and we can go next year and everything. Well, no, it's, it's, it's not that easy, right? So, like you said, there's a lot of guys like like you think of Dan Marino played so long and so well, and never got a chance to play in this game. So, you look back, you definitely appreciate the opportunity. All right, and we've asked everybody this week whether they played in the game or were part of the management, but the game in New Orleans, Super Bowl 36. I remember our coverage that week. It was it was almost like a coronation of the Rams and the dynasty before the game. I was even on some New England TV, and Charlie, this was sure I was kind of being sarcastic. Wow. And mocking uh, the Patriots <laughs> a little bit. I know Playing a character. <laughs> yes, not myself. Did you as players, and Ricky said, he goes, I think we might have been overconfident. What do you remember about that week leading up to the Patriots game? Before we knew anything about Brady and Belichick, what did you think that week? Were you guys highly confident? Yeah, we were highly confident, um, and, and rightfully so. I mean, we, we were performing at that level, but, yeah, I – I don't know if we were overconfident. You could probably say we were looking back. Yeah, absolutely. And, but, and did you get over that loss? Because, like, some guys well, say, Tory says he's still not over it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'd like to say I'm over it, but I haven't really gone back and, and watched that game. And um, I think the other night they had it replaying on ESPN, and um, a colleague of mine was in a hotel somewhere. He called me said, it's on. So I, I turned it on. I caught the, the end of it, and I never really watched that film before. And it um, – it hurt just as bad. Watch it, watch it again. But. Yeah, I call you, but hey, thanks, thanks for that heads up. Yeah. How about yeah. when you? How did you call me when Super Bowl Thirty Four is being right. replayed? Okay. It, it was, and I was telling him it was, it was fun to play. It just the, the ending wasn't uh, what, what it was supposed to be. But uh, you got to give him credit. That was the start of that uh, Patriots dynasty, like you said. And I've wondered about that over the years. If you're a Rams player or employee, coach, whatever, because the dynasty emerged from that point, moving forward with Brady and Belichick. Did that ease the pain? Like, it wasn't a fluke. Like, if you lost, let's just say you guys had been in the Super Bowl and for some reason the Browns or Jaguars beat you guys that year and never heard from again, does it ease the pain at all? Because 
Next question. Bad <laughs> premise. No. Bad premise. Not I was really. just thinking. But at least I know what you're saying. At least yeah. they were legit. I mean, yeah. it wasn't no, a fluke. Are. That's a good operation. Yeah. That maybe we well, didn't know at the time. I was, I was telling your your mom over there. She was drilling me with no, three <laughs> questions. Um, that game. Um, I had. Uh, and I think you might have mentioned it last time I talked to you, but I had played for Belichick my rookie year in Cleveland. And so when we faced him in that Super Bowl, and I, I knew a little bit about his defenses, and, of course, we were prepared. We studied those defenses every game they played that year, right? But I remember there was a lot of stuff that he threw up there that, we, that he'd never shown all year long. So it, it was, it was the, fun for me. It was a challenge to, 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 to you know, make the calls as, as the center and make sure we're all on the right page and stuff. And, and I think we did a fairly good job of that. But, like you said, uh, they, they outdid us in the end, and we may have been a little overconfident, yeah. Since you brought this up, let's roll through this. I want you to write a book, or maybe it's even just a pamphlet, on Coaching 101 at Toledo. By the way, Charlie's a Toledo guy. He from right. Toledo. From Toledo. Right. Okay. I didn't go to and the also, University of Toledo. And you also didn't go to Ohio State, but you act like you did, to be fair. <laughs> I've, never, I've never said that. Andy, you know. If you are from Ohio, right. you're from Ohio. Yep. you root for Ohio State, in my opinion, over any Cleveland Browns or Cleveland Indians or Cincinnati Reds, whatever it is, Cincinnati Bengals, Ohio State football is the sport people root for. True. Yeah. There you go. That's the whole state of Ohio. You're, All right, you're so correct. you go to Toledo. Your first coach there is Nick Saban. And then Gary Pinkle comes in. And then in the NFL with the Browns, your first taste of the league is Bill Belichick. Go to New Orleans, Jim Mora, Mike Ditka, St. Louis, Dick Vermeil, Mike Martz. I mean, yeah. this is an unbelievable run of notable names, especially for us around here. But just, And everyone I just mentioned has got to be totally different in some way. Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, crazy, you, and they're all a little bit. The more you would say those, they're yeah. all a little bit crazy in a, in a good way. Aren't all true. football coaches though? A little bit. That's true. And speaking of that, you, you forgot to mention my favorite and probably St. Louis's favorite coach, Hannafin. Jeff, and so of go. course, your line coach, Hanny, yeah. who you and Timmerman took uh, great license in tormenting, I believe. <laughs> there may or may not oh, have yeah. been some Krispy Kreme donuts with Vaseline There's put on them, and he ate them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys thought, will he notice <laughs> on the second donut? <laughs> Or the third donut? He came back for the other half. That's, yeah. That was the funniest part. <laughs> it didn't stop him. All right, let's run through it, though. So, Nick Saban, you're a young guy at Toledo. Did you have a sense then, boy, this guy is going to be a coaching genius or he is on well, his he way? Well, was, he was, that was, I think that was his first head coaching job. And, he, I mean, he was intense, as intense as you see him now on the sidelines. That's how he was. So, I'm sure he's learned a lot since then. But, um, you know, he, you, yeah, he was definitely a football-minded guy. You could tell he knew the X's and O's. But he, he was intense and he expected a lot out of us as far as you know just competing and off-season workouts and all that stuff so he came in in the winter and we were doing those winter workouts and any college player knows those winter workouts are are, are tough you're up at 6 a.m or whatever it was and yeah we had a couple people quit before the first couple weeks were out when he came in but so we knew we were in for something and then gary pinkle comes along and i think i've talked to you in recent years because you live here in st louis and you'll see the coverage or long-form interviews or hear him on the radio and he kind of evolved at Mizzou into this warm and fuzzy coach, and and you said that that's not the pinkle I had at Toledo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, he did a heck of a job, and I was only there. It was my last two years in Toledo. Was his first couple of years, and um, you know he, you could tell he knew his football too, and, and you could tell he was learning along the way, and he, he did a heck of a job. But I think ten years in Toledo, and, and another ten here here at Mizzou, and a lot of great, um, a lot of guys I played with at Toledo were coaches under him. 
and I know they learned a lot from him, and, and he developed them well. So he, he, I got nothing but good things to say about what he's done. All right, I'm going to jump right to Mike Ditka then down in New Orleans. This is after he'd had his Bears success, and yeah. I feel like New Orleans was going <laughs> to his victory lap. He just kind of had cigars out and was, until he traded his entire draft <laughs> for uh, Ricky Williams. It was. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't put on the wedding dress. Yes. Yeah, he got yeah, a little nutty was, down there. Yeah. Was he fun to play for? <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. It was it was really interesting. And you're and I think you might be right. It kind of was his 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 victory lap because, um, well, I mean, you we'd come in in the morning for meetings and you'd wonder maybe he'd already had a couple drinks or something. <laughs> this is like an 8 a.m. meeting, so. But uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. And Jim Mora. <laughs> Who could also get extremely fiery, emotional, whatnot. And maybe that's more of a media perception. What was he like? No, he was. He was. Fiery. And yeah, and when, and when I first got down there, he was there. And I was there that, that season that, um, well, he, he quit in the middle of the, of the season. And, and a lot of those quotes you see, you know, play, playoffs, play, you know, <laughs> that, that, that happened right around that time. So um, You guys forced him to quit. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that's what, uh, that's what I've, I've been told, but. I don't like to think that. Well, then you have a 15-year run. Ends in St. Louis, I think, nine seasons with the Rams? Nine seasons with the Rams. I had one Lions. season I, up there with Detroit. So you forgot to mention my last coach was Rod, Rod Marinelli, Rod Marinelli. right? Yeah. Was that the 0-16 year? It was. Not to it was. pin that on you, but, I mean, yeah. That, it was. It that's got to be a weird year. deal. You'd been at the top of the mountain with it the Rams. to the bottom. You're right. How, I mean, when you're 0-12 as a team, you still got to go out on Wednesday and line up. you still got to study film. That's, that's yeah, got to be tough. It's um, – I mean, I've, I've said this to a lot of people. They ask me about that. You go from one extreme to the other. But, I mean, you learn a lot about people on both extremes there. And I think you might learn more about it when you're, you're in that losing situation and how people react and what, you know, just things about yourself as well. So it, it, was, it was a valuable experience for me. I wouldn't want to do it again, no, but uh, it, it was good. And I, I covered that line team a couple of years with Rod Marinelli. And everybody, I talked to you then and then after the fact, too, he's with the Cowboys, and everybody said this is one of the best defensive coaches, position coaches. Oh, he, yeah. But oh, was it just different system. sometimes with some of these guys when they have to be the head coach and everything's falling on them? Um, I, don't, I don't know if I'd put much of the blame of that, that 0-16 deal on him. I, I wouldn't want to. I'm sure some of it falls on him. You know, it's his, it's his deal. He was the head guy. But there was so much other stuff going on in that office and whatnot. I, I didn't sign there until, like, after midway through training camp so they had already get some stuff going on and and coming in there i think uh matt millen was the pre- president there and you know you know you could tell there was some tension and the coaches were you know his assistants were battling on, on in the hallways and you know there's there's all <laughs> kinds of ugly stuff going on so i mean we never thought it'd get that far i mean every week we thought okay this is a week this is a week and i and then most of us believe that and every week we were in it. I think there's only one game that we really weren't in. But uh, we were close every week. But, it, yeah, it's not something I'd wish on anybody, that 0-16. Was March still there? Or no. was that after no, that was he after. left? Because didn't they go about 7-9 yeah. and nine one year with John Kitna putting up some, some yeah, big numbers they there? Yeah, they did. Yeah. And, and, and John was still there yeah. when I was there. But, um, yeah. Well, the genius of Mike March is that he turned Mike Furry into a 1,000-yard receiver. In he Detroit. Did. I mean, he was a former kind of a backup safety on some of your teams, right, in yeah. St. Louis. Transformed yeah. him into a receiver and then became a highly productive yeah, he receiver. Yeah, doing well. Absolutely. But, so you arrived at the Rams in 99. Torrey gets drafted. They trade for Marshall. They bring in Timmerman. They sign Trent Green. I'm, for, I'm probably forgetting others. Did you guys have a sense that offseason into training camp, 
in 99, even though the Rams had been one of the losingest franchises in the league, that was the stat we always threw around with the Bengals. Yeah. But those names you start mentioning, that's a pretty good addition to what was already here with Kevin Carter and Mike Jones and others. Did you guys have a sense that we could be really good that year? Well, I don't think you'd go into any season thinking you're not going to succeed, right? Um, you wouldn't be at that level if you did. Uh, but no, I, I, we had no idea what it would be, what, what it turned out to be. I remember I signed here in, um, I think it was April of, of 99. And uh, and so I signed to catch me and my wife were going back to the airport. And we say, oh, let's stop and get some Rams hats and stuff for the kids and my mom and dad, right? So we went into some store. I don't remember what the store is. And we asked we asked the lady there, you know, got any Rams gear? She looked at us and said, Rams? We ain't got no Rams stuff. Rams suck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome so, to town, like, Andy. Oh, man, what did, what did we do? Maybe we shouldn't have come here. <laughs> welcome but to St. A, Louis. Just a few months later, we proved them wrong. So. Well, it was, a, it was a tough stretch there, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Vermeil, more or less, I don't know that he had to beg to keep his job after 98, but he kind of convinced yeah. John Shaw, he'd give me one more year. And Shaw said, okay, well, we got to do this offense. I mean, it was – we had some dark days at the Dome when you were here, Chuck. That 98, there was a – there's a lot of three and outs, and it's amazing to think about those pieces that get added. And all of a sudden, then there you are a year later, I bet, if you went out there, they'd be like, we got Rams gear, but we're charging double now. <laughs> right, exactly. Super Bowl champions. <laughs> you're right. And that's kind of true in any town. But you had, you're had you the center on that team with Kurt Warner. And before that, it's Trent. And even though Dick Vermeil cried and said we would rally around Kurt Warner, I got to think in the locker room, guys are like, oh, boy, we're screwed. I mean, Trent went down in August, and you guys were kind of humming along even at that point. Yeah, yeah, Trent did a heck of a job, and it, it's a shame what happened to him. And we were all, you know, not just worried about the team. Like you said, we were worried about Trent. But you're right. We, uh, Kurt was unknown commodity there. We didn't know what – you know, we knew he was a good guy. We knew what we seen him do in practice, and it was solid, good stuff. But we had no idea he'd be what he was and be able to do all the things he did. So it was, was there a time when you thought it was real, like – Hey, guys, every once in a while, like, a goalie will come up in hockey and just play well. Like, it's a nice little story, then it fades away. Was there a time when you said, oh, this this thing is the real deal? I don't know when that was. Yeah, some, sometime during that season, we, we got, like, we got pretty confident we could do whatever we wanted to do, especially offensively against anybody. And, and a lot of that was what we were doing. And, and we know you guys talked about Mike March and the genius of all the football, the stuff that he does. And, um Another question your mom was asking me, I, I said, there were times in the locker room pregame or even at halftime where he comes in, okay, here's what we're going to do. And we're like, wait a minute, we haven't done that for like three months. We're not doing it. And we'd complain and we said, well, we can't do that. Well, 99% of the time we got there and it worked. Right. So we, we stopped complaining. So. <laughs> I'm starting to think my mom should host the show, Troy. She's she got the better questions during there. the green room. She I'm, gave me some embarrassing stories, too. Ooh, oh, if only we well. had more time. You know, it's only a two-hour show. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, because you said when you're in practice, you see Kurt and you said, I think the word you said was solid. I mean, so you didn't see any flashes of what he would become when he finally gets a job and all of a sudden, 10, 15 years later, he's in the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You couldn't see... Any flashes of that at practice at all? Well, we could see that leadership quality he had as linemen. Um, I'm sure if you talk to Ricky and those guys, they could see some of that, the, the skill and the placement of those balls and all that kind of thing. You know, we were just trying to protect him, so we wouldn't see that stuff. But, I mean, we could, we could sense that in the huddle, you know, the leadership and, and whatnot running the show, and he, he had every bit of that. And then the greatest moment, of course, for Kurt and Isaac was the Super Bowl. That play call, and it was Mike March sort of saying, we're going for it because the Titans had – 
you know, made their move. McNair was kind of heating up in that game, but the touchdown throw to Isaac. Oh, yeah. What, what do you remember about that play call? Because it was kind of Mike saying, we're going for it, right? I mean, the deep ball there. Yeah, well, I mean, we we expected Mike to do that almost every play. You know, we were, <laughs> as linemen, even during that whole stretch of years there, we'd, we'd beg him to run the ball more, run the ball more. <laughs> and every week he'd come in and say, here, we're going we're gonna to run it down their throat this week. And, and you're like, no, week, no, we're not. No, every week we'd, we'd believe him. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'd, we'd believe him. Like, oh, yeah, we'd be all fired up. And then we'd go out there and run the ball five, six times a game, you know. So. <laughs> But uh, we, could, we, we couldn't complain too much because it was working. Yeah, and then, Isaac, this weekend, we hope, we believe, I guess you never know for sure because you hear a lot of talk about the certain Hall of Famers are going to be Tony Gonzalez, Ed Reed. I heard some people say maybe Champ Bailey is a, a lock. But most people feel good about Isaac's chances. As a teammate there, what would that moment be like for you to see him get that call? Yeah, that'd be great. He deserves every bit of that. Um, you know, with those other guys that's gone in recently, he definitely should be in there. As far as, um, you know, you can see his, his numbers and what he did on the field, but his uh, his leadership in the locker room meant a lot to everybody. His, uh, you know, just, just the man that he was, mentoring young guys and stuff like that. That's the stuff that doesn't really get known as well, but uh, he did a great job of that stuff. And folks that can, uh, are in town, Andy McCollum, helping out a little bit with Eureka football at times, oh, yeah. right? Yes, sir. And then your business, if people want to get in touch with you, tell them what you're doing. We do uh, financial planning. It's called Resource One Advisors. Uh, you can check us out. Our website is rs1a.com. We just uh, we just got another office acquired over in the um, O'Fallon, Illinois area. So we have Illinois and Missouri offices now. So Resource One Advisors. Rs One, yep. the A. number one. Yes. Rs1a.com. Right. Andy, thanks for coming by. And what is with these old linemen? They don't eat anymore. Dan I know. Didn't eat well, the you got to put some donuts out here in front of me. I'm, I'm waiting. <laughs> you got the sliders over there. Yeah, I might we've have got to we got some, some food. <laughs> Andy, great to see you. Have a fun Super Thanks, Bowl weekend. Guys. I, I assume I won't, I won't even ask. He, you should probably root for the Rams. They paid you money. I get. It. I won't even put you on the spot and ask you who you if you care who wins. Yeah, I'm going to root for the Rams. There you I'll go. Tell you. Hey, he's former Ram. What are you going to do, <laughs> Charlie? Uh, one of our great sponsors, Milty. Mark Milton. Are you currently sideways with the IRS? Do you have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night? Are you facing tax liens, bank levies, or wage garnishments? If so, you should contact former Department of Justice Tax Division Attorney Mark Milton at stltaxlawyer.com. Mark Milton providing a local and holistic approach to tax resolution. Don't be sucked into the out-of-town tax resolution groups you hear on the TV and radio. Mark lives and works right in the area, right next to our 590 studios over there in Kirkwood. If you have IRS problems, visit stltaxlawyer.com today. Remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertising. And, Charlie, friend of the show, Will DeWitt, that would be Bill DeWitt the third son. Musician, composer. Yes. Remember the event DJ. last year? Yes, last year you had that great event, sort of the voice for St. Louis folks, kind mm-hmm. of a talent show. They're doing it again. They just announced it. St. Louis Sound is going to be June 6th at the Sheldon Concert Hall. Will DeWitt presenting this. Uh, it's also going to be a fundraiser for Heal Center for the Arts. Will DeWitt bringing it back. St. Louis Sound out to be hosting that night. June 6th, we'll give you more details as we get closer. But area musicians, it's your chance to compete there. Kind of like an American Idol thing. You get up there performing. At the end of the night, somebody gets a contract to go do a recording in Nashville. Very cool that that's coming back. St. Louis Sound, mark your calendar June 6th at the Sheldon Concert Hall. I have an idea for you. Maybe as an opening act, you have Jober warm up the audience with his jokes, no, and then you're kind of no, the headliner. No. What do you think? 
Well, let's let's table that for now. Okay, we'll table that. All hey, right. the uh, fun continues at Kingside Diner, five ninety baseball on deck with Jimmy Hewer, Brian Hoffman, and Bob Ramsey all live here at the Clayton location. Great food, great people here. Come on by Kingside Diner.